the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. I'm going to read a long section of Scripture, verse 1 through verse 30. Now when some of the Pharisees gathered to him, With some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it's written, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father and mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother, thus making void the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and then is expelled? Thus he declared, All foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. 
Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go on your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. One of the things that the Gospels do whenever we encounter Jesus in the Gospels is that they tend to break down our conception of who Jesus is. One of the things that I think is the most popular conception of Jesus is that he's just a nice guy. He's just a nice guy. The nicest guy, really. I mean, Jesus, in popular American conception, was just the sweetest, nicest dude. But Mark chapter 7 shows us a Jesus that is not nice, but he is good. But even as we read this section of scripture, it it maybe seems to us, at least at the end, when he's talking to the Syrophoenician woman, that perhaps he's not, perhaps he's not even good. I mean, a quick read through this section of scripture might leave you thinking that Jesus is callous or unkind or even ethnocentric. It might appear like that in a first read through this passage. It seems to be a discordant note in the otherwise beautiful melody of this gospel of Mark. An odd thing that maybe we should pass over, not dig into. Let's just forget that story. Jesus seems odd in that one. But it gets worse because... The Bible is not just for people at the time that it was written. It's not just for the people that were receiving these words after they were written in this time of Jesus in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, but it's for us today. And so all of a sudden, this statement becomes seemingly not just about one Gentile woman, but about all Gentiles, including almost all of us here today. So what at first seems like a a sharp criticism of one particular woman or one particular group of people at one particular time becomes a sharp criticism of almost all of us who are gathered here today. But you're probably not surprised that what I hope to show from this section of scripture, looking especially at verses 24 through 30, is that this is not a story intended to exclude or demean non-Jews. But the gospel writer is using this story to show us that the people of God are not to be defined by ethnic boundaries. They're not to be defined by religious practices. But the people of God are defined by a humble faith in the Lord Jesus. That's what makes up the people of God. Not traditions, not ethnicity, but a humble faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that in three different points. The first is we're going to talk about Gentile dogs. Then we're going to talk about children of God. We're going to conclude by talking about faith in Christ. So let's start by talking about Gentile dogs. The passage opens and tells us in verse 24 that Jesus leaves the place that he had been. He goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre is a city in the area of Syrian Phoenicia, and that's why the woman who comes to him is described as a Syro-Phoenician woman. Syrian Phoenicia is disguised from, uh, it's distinguished from Libyan Phoenicia, which is in North Africa, and this section of scripture is making it clear that this is a woman who's coming from the region of Tyre and Sidon to come to Jesus and ask for a miracle. 
Jesus was getting away. It seems as though he was hoping to keep his presence secret. We're not exactly sure why that is. There are a bunch of reasons that we could speculate. Maybe he needed to rest. He's been doing a great deal of teaching and miracles. Perhaps he needed some time to teach his disciples alone. But he wanted to be away from the crowds. And Tyre would have been a perfect place because it had very few Jews, but it was absolutely filled to the brim with Gentiles. His fame, we see, had spread throughout all of the Jews by this point, but maybe the Gentiles didn't know who Jesus was. Perhaps he wasn't as famous in this particular region. But it becomes clear that his renown has spread outside of the bounds of Israel. It spread even to the Gentiles because immediately this Syrophoenician woman comes to him and requests healing for her daughter who had been possessed by an unclean spirit. And there's a very brief description of this woman. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. That's verse 26. And the description of the woman reads almost like a crescendo of demerit or would have for the original hearers. She's a woman. Now at this time, some of the rabbis would not engage with or interact with women. They would speak only to men. That's the first descriptor. The second is that she is a Greek. She's a Gentile. She's a non-Jew. She's an outsider. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And this is the worst one, that she was from Syrian Phoenicia, that she was a Syrophoenician woman, that she was from Tyre. You know, the name Tyre might not kind of like, it might not be one of those recognizable sorts of places for us, but it would have been for the people that originally received this message. And it's for a bunch of different reasons. Jezebel was from Tyre. And Jezebel came from Tyre and married Ahab and brought false religious worship and false idolatrous practices to the people of Israel. The prophets of Ezekiel and Zechariah had decried the wealth and the terror of Tyre. Tyre had fought the Jewish people during the Maccabean revolt, which took place in the time between the Testaments. And in fact, just at that moment where it seemed as though Israel had relieved itself, had shrugged off the yoke of oppression from the Roman Empire at that particular time, it was armies from the city of Tyre that arose and tried to replace Israel under the yoke of oppression to the Roman Empire. Tyre was a very wealthy place. It had an incredibly strong currency. It had a purple dye that came from Tyre that was uh, highly sought after, and it, it made it a very wealthy area. And so one of the things that had happened in recent memory to the people of Israel is that a famine had come through this particular region. Food was scarce, and people from Tyre had bought up all of the food, and they could because of their wealth. And people from Israel had literally starved because the wealthy of Tyre had purchased up all of their, all of their food. There was a historian at this time that said, a Jewish historian, who said that the people of Tyre were notoriously our bitterest enemies. And so the fact that this is a Syrophoenician woman means that she is from the section of people that are the bitterest enemies of the people of Jesus, of the Jewish people, of the people of Israel. And so knowing all of that, that this Greek woman, this Syrophoenician woman, came to Jesus, we might expect Jesus to respond 
with harsh words. I mean, this is an audacious person who's disturbing his respite by requesting a miracle. This person who is from the bitterest enemies of the people of Israel. And Jesus does speak harsh words to her. And maybe we expect exactly what we assume he's saying. Jesus tells a brief parable. He says, first, let the children eat all they want, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. The meaning of this parable should not be difficult for us to discern. What Jesus is saying is, first, let the people of Israel receive my teaching and my miracles. Because it's not right to take my teaching and miracles intended for my children, the, peace, the people of Israel, and to toss that to Gentile Dogs. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. A lot of the rabbis at this time would use the word dog to describe Gentiles. They were mangy mongrels. They uh, were unclean. They were filled with uncleanness. And so people were supposed to keep themselves away from dogs or they'd become unclean by touching these mangy things. The rabbis thought that that was a fitting way to refer to Gentiles and so would call them dogs. Why does Jesus use that term? Is he just upset? Is he losing his temper? If he wasn't going to heal, why didn't he just say, I'm so sorry, I can't help you. Thanks for coming. Goodbye now. Wouldn't politeness be more called for than these sharp words? Well, we got to dig a little bit deeper to see what it is that Jesus is saying here. And for that, we take to turn to our second point. We, we turn to this point about sons of God and children of God. Take a look at what Jesus says to her again. He, and, and the exchange, when we break it down, we start to understand what's happening. And there are some clues all throughout that Jesus is not trying to exclude or push this woman away, though he is speaking harshly. There's some clues in the text of the passage that show to us that Jesus is actually inviting her to come near. The first one is the fact that he says first. Jesus looks at her and he says, first let the children be fed, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The second is the use of the word dog. The Greek word that's used here is not the typical word uh, used for dog. Jesus uses a word that doesn't mean a snarling, mangy street dog that was to be avoided. He uses a different word, the diminutive in the Greek. He uses the word that referred to a house pet, a little dog that you'd have inside the house along with you. And some commentators take a look at this and they say, see, that that solves the problem. He's not calling her a mangy dog. He's calling her a little dog. I don't think it solves the problem, right? It's still a dog. It's, it's, not, it's not solving the whole issue. Like if I used a nice term for you while calling a dog, it's still sharp language, right? It's not, 
It's not solving everything. But it does do something pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Is that in the telling of the story, it places this woman inside of the house where the food is. Where the teaching and the miracles are. Then we see the response of the woman. The response moves Jesus to heal her daughter. And so we see that Jesus isn't outright refusing the woman, but he's telling her a parable to test her faith. Her response is actually incredible. Because she's the first person in the Gospel of Mark to understand one of Christ's parables and to respond in a way that Christ approves of. She accepts her humble position and in fact rejoices in it. That's the way that she responds. She answers him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And Jesus says, for this statement, you may go in the way the demon has left your daughter. And so here's the thing, is that the clearest indication that Jesus is not trying to just push her away is that he says in the course of his parable, my teaching, my miracles are just for my children. And then he gives her... His teaching and his miracles. He treats her as a child. And actually what happens here in Mark chapter 7 is that Jesus continues the startling reversal that begins at the very beginning of Mark chapter 7. It starts with the Pharisees. And you know The Pharisees of anyone in Israel at this particular time, these were the insiders. They were the ones that did everything right. They kept all of the traditions of the elders. And Jesus says, you, you are actually keeping the traditions of the elders and denying the commands of God by doing this. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and sees the practices that they are doing and says, this is not going to save you. You are, in fact, using the traditions of the elders to deny the commands of God. It's stunning. And then the stunning reversal continues because as he's teaching his disciples, he talks about the things that defile a person. He declares all foods clean. This is astounding. For so much of Israel's history, they were defined by clean and unclean distinctions and clean and unclean laws. And as Jesus is talking about food, he's declaring that all foods are clean. The dietary restrictions that set the the Jewish people apart from all of the other nations in the entire world, Jesus is saying... No longer do you have to follow those things. Clean and unclean distinctions in food, no, 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 they don't don't persist any longer. I, by my authority, as the Son of God, God himself declares to you that all foods are clean, he says to his disciples. It's a startling reversal. And now, he provides a living illustration That these clean, unclean distinctions that had characterized the people of Israel for many, many years, that these are reversed as well. Because he goes to Tyre and he treats one of the children of Tyre as one of his children, as a daughter. He gives his miracles to her. She's inside the house. She's one of the children. 
the Pharisees were the insiders. They kept the right practices. But Jesus speaks directly and harshly about the fact that they haven't followed Uh, That they followed the right practices, but they haven't trusted God. They haven't loved him with their whole selves. They haven't trusted his son. Therefore, they're out. They're on the outside. And the faith of the Syrophoenician woman is starkly contrasted with the unbelief of the Pharisees. The Pharisees kept ritual purity, but they didn't follow the law. They honored the Lord with their lips, but their hearts were far from them. The Syrophoenician woman, on the other hand, was certainly ceremonially unclean, yet her heart was devoted to the Lord. The Pharisees, who everyone thought would be the insiders, the one who knew and kept the traditions most faithfully, they were outsiders. The Syrophoenician woman could not have been more of an outsider, being a part of the bitterest enemies of the people of Israel. Yet in God's economy, those who seem to be insiders are on the outside, and those who are usually relegated to the margins are welcomed in as children of God. Mark is using this story to show that Christ welcomes Gentiles as children, not that he tries to exclude them. In fact, we see... In this passage, uh, something that had been prophesied a lot of years in advance, and it's recorded in the Psalms. I want to, would you turn with me to Psalm 87? I just want to look there so that you can see what always the plan of God was and how the words of the Psalms start to become fulfilled through Christ's life and ministry. Psalm 87. I'm just going to read, I'm going to read the whole Psalm. Psalm 87 says this. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her, for the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the people, this one was born there. That's beautiful. What Psalm 87 is saying is that there will come a time where people from all sorts of cities and countries and places outside of the people of Israel will be said, that one was born there. That one is my child. And that is what Jesus is announcing here as he treats the Syrophoenician woman as his daughter, as his child. Gentiles too can be a part of the family of God. How? How can this happen? How can one be a part of the family of God? Well, it's through faith. It's the faith of the Syrophoenician woman that receives a glowing response. And this is a theme all throughout the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 2, there's a paralyzed man who's healed. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. In Mark 5, the woman who had been bleeding is healed. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. When Christ chastises the disciples in Mark, it's because they lack faith. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the Matthew uh, account of this particular story, Jesus, uh, Matthew records a broader amount of, of what Jesus says, and Jesus remarks at the faith of the Syrophoenician woman. But what's explicit in Matthew is, is implicitly here as well. The Syrophoenician woman had incredible faith. She had faith that was able to overcome obstacles, One of the interesting aspects about the way that healing takes place in the book of Mark is that those who receive healing need to overcome obstacles. No one has a more difficult obstacle to overcome than the Syrophoenician woman does. 
You know, the paralytic, uh, the people carrying the paralytic had to dig through a roof to get to Jesus. Mark 2 verse 4. The woman healed of bleeding needed to get through the crowd despite her uncleanness in Mark 5 27. Later on in Mark 9 18, the uh, man with a demoniac son continues to display faith despite the fact that the disciples initially failed to drive out the demon from the man's son. In each one of these cases, there is something keeping people from Jesus, whether it be a roof or a crowd or the disciples' lack of believing prayer. In no other case is Jesus himself the obstacle to healing. Here, Jesus and his sharp words are the obstacle. But the Syrophoenician woman, her persistence in faith is laudable. And what's also interesting is that after, after her, her child is healed, she listens to Jesus. After almost every healing, Jesus gives a command. He tells the man with leprosy whom he healed not to tell anyone what he had done, but the leprous man spread the news about Jesus all over the countryside. He told the deaf and mute man in Mark chapter, uh, earlier in Mark, whom he healed not to say anything about him, yet the man disobeyed and kept talking about it. Here, the faith of the Syrophoenician woman is exemplary because she's told to go home and she obeys. This is incredible faith. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through His Word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to Him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.